primary all politicians who fail to aggressively fight for America. That's today, folks. America's culture and civilization are now under attack every single day. And the Republican Party, even with all its weaknesses, is the only political party that's resisting these attacks. But sadly, those weaknesses are profoundly on display when elected GOP officials show a lack of spine and refuse to stand up for us publicly and aggressively at every turn. The worst are those Republicans in senior positions, such as the lieutenant governor in my state of Mississippi, who hands power to the Democrats at what seems to be every turn through his position as president of the state Senate. Well, we've got a fighter who's challenging the lieutenant governor this year, State Senator Chris McDaniel. Uh, Chris has fought for private property rights and the restriction of intimate domain. He's fought for uh, the student religious liberties through the Student Religious Liberties Act he authored and it was passed into law. That safeguards the rights of students to pray in school. He's introduced the Firearms Freedom Protection Act to protect against federal encroachment on our Second Amendment rights. And he's fought for our privacy by sponsoring legislation to allow citizens to opt out of requirements to provide personal information for use in government databases. Senator, Senator McDaniel, welcome to the Rob Manus Show, sir. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I know you're busy. Uh, Mississippi's a big state. I've done a couple of statewide uh, campaigns, as I know you have too. And uh, so I know you are busier than a than a cat on a hot tin roof and dancing everywhere. Hey, man, the, uh, transparency up front. I'm supporting you in your uh, in your race. So I want everybody to uh, realize that. But uh, tell these folks in our audience, uh, and it's going to go out to about 600,000 folks uh, uh, in a broadcast live. Uh, why are you running uh, against a sitting incumbent Republican and you're a sitting Republican politician in this state? Well, you know, all Republicans aren't created equal, unfortunately. We have a, a, quite a few in our party now that infiltrated us, and uh, they carry in their hearts the same old Democrat baggage they've always carried. In other words, all they did was change the name of their party, and that creates a real problem. You know, I'm a Reagan guy from back in the day, and he talked about a party with bold colors, not pastels, right? And a lot yeah. of these Republicans, or so-called Republicans now, are just pastel. And it's one of the biggest problems we have right now with our party is that we're looking for fighters. We have to learn to push back and to hold the line and be aggressive. But we keep electing the same old rhinos. That's why I'm running. I'm tired of the direction the country is going. I never thought I would see it in this shape. And it's time that we begin to fight back, especially from the state level, which we can talk more about that later. But I believe if the states reassert sovereignty, we can balance the system and save this republic. I completely agree with you, my friend. Uh, you know, uh, you got a great website, uh, and, I, and I've uh, worked with you before, but uh, uh, one of the things that I like about you that you focus on is, uh, is individual citizens' constitutional rights. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, you've actually passed this legislation, as I mentioned, supporting religious rights in schools and uh, Second Amendment rights. Uh, but I know my folks that are considering voting for you want to know, what are your plans in that area as lieutenant governor and the president of the state Senate? Well, the cornerstone of conservatism is the empowerment of the individual. 
And civil liberties must be protected at all costs. You know, the Democrats keep talking about we live in a democracy. Well, you know and I know this is not a democracy. It's a republic, and we have certain God-given rights that are unalienable, and they cannot and shall not ever be infringed or taken away. So the first thing is, as an LG, you want to appoint strong conservative leaders for these chairmanships, and you want to make sure that individual liberty is protected at all costs. That also includes tax policy, because if you empower the individual, you also allow the individual to keep more of their income. And that's one of the things I would like to see Mississippi do, is a full elimination of the income tax. I think that's a great first step in uh, reviving our economy. Number two, we've got to put an end to this woke culture. Man, I tell you, I'm tired of our schools and our universities brainwashing these students. And when I'm LG, we're going to go after that. We're going to make sure that woke does not uh, is not welcome in this state. And it's across the board. As you know, conservatism is a complex doctrine. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're trying to protect liberty. We're trying to make sure government is small. And we're trying to make sure that our children are protected. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, the next area uh, is uh, that I wanted to talk to you about today is crime. You know, uh, I left town for like three days this weekend to celebrate my wife and I's 24th anniversary and her birthday and went to a different state uh, to take her to dinner. And I come back last night and I find that that the whole Gulf Coast has erupted in mass violence over the last three or four days due to this uh, this event called Black Spring Break. Uh, you know, uh, these policies, apparently there are policies that that enable uh, pro-crime events like this. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, it's bad for people to get together. It's not bad for people to get together. But when, when you don't enforce cr- uh, law enforcement and try to prevent crime and you actually put in place policies that allow for these kinds of things to happen and there's no accountability, uh, it's pretty bad. And people down here are just, they're in an uproar saying, we've got to root those policies out. What are your thoughts on the whole uh, mass violence down here this weekend? I don't know if you saw any of the news on that. I did. I did. You know, it's a problem. Um, and I don't see it uh, as a racial issue, uh, you know, whether it's a black spring break or a white spring break or whatever the case may yeah. be. Anytime there's, a, anytime there's a group of people that, that rush into an area and they, uh, and they act badly, uh, that's a problem. And it's so much of a problem that some of our friends in the Mississippi Gulf Coast, they will actually leave during this week. They will take off trying to escape the violence and the pollution and things of that nature. So look, my first thought is law enforcement has to be very proactive. And you got to mm-hmm. find ways to push out and root out the troublemakers the second it occurs. Um, you know, remember years ago, New York embarked on an anti-crime crusade, and they really cracked down hard on minor crimes. And by cracking down hard on those minor crimes in the inner city, they were able to push out the criminal element and where they were to preserve uh, some, some peace and civility inside the city, at least for a time. So maybe yeah. a, a proactive approach like that would apply. Yeah, because it's not that we don't want people to come visit or, 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 or we don't want folks, uh, no matter what their skin color or what, what their persuasion is, to have a good time. We want, we want people to come here. Uh, you know, tourism is a large part of the revenue uh, source for the state of Mississippi, the way I understand it. Uh, you know, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, but I tell you what, Chris, the, what I saw on the ground here, uh, outside of the gun violence, you know, the mass shooting and everything, uh, was 
everywhere that I went where there had been crowds, it was completely trashed. And I, and I mean, not, I don't mean like broken windows and everything. I just mean glass bottles broken, trash on the ground, you know. So maybe that's a that's a good thing for folks to think about down here and anywhere really is is yeah. to crack down on the minor crimes like New York City did under Mayor Giuliani. And it it was affected. Right. It was affected. Mm-hmm. Well, I you know, there's um, you know, it goes to a greater point, too. And I think um, I think most of your listeners will agree with this. We we're seeing across the spectrum a degradation of our culture. And a lot of that almost looks intentional on the part of liberalism. They attack traditional families. They attack traditional notions of honor. They attack patriotism. And they typically want to ascribe victimhood anytime someone does get in trouble. And that's a real problem. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just individuals, but we have to be individuals that respect law and order. And as parents have backed away from kids and as families have broken to pieces, unfortunately, our country is going through all of these cycles of, of violence and people are very unhappy. And as all these crimes are being committed, we better figure out the root cause of this. And a big part of the root cause is we, we, we as Christians haven't been as active in the culture as we need to be. And we have to learn to take stands, we have to learn to push back, and we have to promote things that are positive and healthy. And believe it or not, this is going to get me in trouble, Christianity is still positive and healthy. The, the, the lessons taught in the Bible are still positive and healthy. And I think it's something we have to get back to as a culture. Absolutely. And that shouldn't get anybody in trouble. Christianity is still positive and healthy uh, and, and- Quite frankly, though, unfortunately, it's under attack, uh, as we saw with the yeah. transgender terrorism shooting up in Nashville a few weeks ago. You know, you've been, I yeah. mentioned education. You've mentioned education. As lieutenant governor, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, well, as a senator, you helped defeat the last Mississippi uh, education superintendent nominee not too mm-hmm. long ago. Yeah. Uh, Talk us right. through why you supported that effort to defeat that nominee. Well, in short, in short, I am really tired of this woke culture in our schools. And frankly, I'm tired of liberals being in control of our educational system. Uh, there's cause and effect there. If you put a liberal in control of the educational system, of course he or she is going to give a nod to the woke culture. Of course, they're going to talk about victimhood. Of course, they're going to try to uh, talk about these systemic notions of racism that are affecting our society. Well, here's the thing. I want you to teach basic subjects to these kids. I don't want them being brainwashed. If you're a math teacher, how about teaching math? If you're a biology teacher, let's teach biology. But let's not get into politics and brainwash these kids. I am tired of these kids going to these schools and then coming out indoctrinated. And I'm also tired. One of the other reasons I was frustrated with this nominee, on one hand, he says, well, I'm an educated man, but I'm afraid I have no idea what critical race theory is. On the other hand, he goes, well, but it's not being taught in schools. That was an inconsistent answer that told me all I needed to know, that he did support critical race theory, and he was trying to hide that from the committee. That was my impression. So look, it boils down to this. I'm tired of liberals dominating the educational institutions in our state and our universities, and we have to put a stop to it. So in in Mississippi, uh, what power does the lieutenant governor have uh, to uh, to make sure nominees are made to, uh, say, college boards or trustees of the different university systems? uh, uh, And of course, obviously, the state superintendent of schools. 
right? Many of those boards are appointed. And what happens is not all, but most have some sort of shared appointment process. So you'll have the governor that appoints some, the LG will appoint some, and the speaker will appoint some. So to the extent the LG has the ability to appoint individuals to the State Board of Education, I go back to my original premise. It needs to be strong, traditional-minded parents that have an interest in the education system. And I want parents to have parental rights over the educational system. But I don't want liberals indoctrinating, using the system to indoctrinate schools. So my appointments are going to be uh, more conservative-minded, traditional-minded people, not because I want them to express politics in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I want them to teach and not brainwash. That's the distinction. And so you're going to see those appointments across the board. I want to be clear about this. I am never going to reach across the aisle to the Democrats. If you want somebody that's going to compromise your principles away, if you want someone that's going to cut deals with those people, you've got your man right now with Delbert Hoseman. That's not who I am. We are fighting for the survival of this country, and the biggest problem we've got right now is a Democrat party that's completely, completely out of control. So I have nothing in common with those people, and we're going to fight them every day. That's really great news, Chris. You know, I mean, years ago, you could do that. You could reach across the aisle because everybody had uh, at least uh, uh, honorable intentions uh, about the country. They loved the country and what it stood for, et cetera. But we can't do that today. You can't. You have nothing in common with those folks, as I think is the most important thing that you said. There is nothing in common with the folks on the left and folks that believe in the United States of America. And we've got to do it all the way down to the local level. And I'm so glad you're running at the state level. The uh, uh, you mentioned the uh, the income tax. Uh, you know, we failed to repeal it uh, in my short time as a citizen of the state twice now. Uh, and, uh, and I know there's been a large effort to do that, uh, uh, but everybody keeps saying, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a decent plan, uh, to get that done. And that's true. I agree with that. I've studied the, uh, uh, things like the fair tax, uh, which is like a national sales tax kind of, or consumption tax kind of thing. Uh, uh, but I also know that Mississippi is almost surrounded by states that don't have state income tax that that fund their revenues on property and, uh, and sales tax, quite frankly, uh, most of it. Uh, so, so what are your thoughts on the plan to get on that road to the destination of repeal the income tax and make Mississippi competitive with those States like Texas, Tennessee, and Florida? Yeah, it, it has to happen. It has to happen. And the only reason it hasn't happened is because of Delbert Hoseman. The governor supports the elimination. The speaker supports the elimination. The House voted on a bill that eliminated the income tax. They sent that bill over to us, and Delbert Hoseman killed it. Now, here's the plan, right? So the first, first things first, about 10 years ago, our state budget with state dollars was only about $4.7 billion. And we operated the state nicely within those parameters. Now we're approaching $8 billion just 10 years later. That's an incredible surplus. Even if you adjust for inflation, that's an incredible amount of money, the most we've ever had in state history. Well, Republicans are supposed to be consistent. That's not our money. So it belongs back to the people so they can spend it as they see fit. If we do that, you're going to see economic growth. You're going to see productivity across the board. We know that because Kennedy did it in the 60s. We saw productivity. Reagan in the 80s, we saw productivity. And then Trump, again, productivity. So tax policy does lead to jobs and economic growth. Here's the plan. You phase it out based on triggers, right? It's not complicated. Mm -hmm. 
we can do a five-year phase-out or a 10-year phase-out based on economic strawberries. But the key is, is to set a spending cap and to reduce the size and scope of government down to that cap. And then adjust for inflation, allow some upper tick of revenue, and when that trigger is hit, it decreases the next year's income tax by half a point until it's fully eliminated. What that does, it takes us out of that emergency by something could occur that's also us to break our budget and be done responsibly. But at least if we do it, we show predictability in the process. We show creativity in the process. And guess what? At the end of the day, businesses will flock to this state. Entrepreneurs will flock to this state. And we can compete with our neighbors in Florida and Texas and Tennessee. Absolutely. Uh, any concerns? And, and, and I ask this because when I talk to local folks uh, about the uh, repeal and the income tax, this, invari- this issue re- invariably comes up. Uh, we currently tax uh, sales tax uh, groceries uh, in the state of Mississippi. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I'm asked every time I'm in a serious conversation with anybody, uh, well, is, is, is the sales tax on groceries going to increase? Won't that hurt people that uh, don't have very high incomes and those kind of things? Have you thought about that issue yet in, in the consultation and, and, and have. thought about the process? I have, and, and it's that's mostly fear-mongering. There's absolutely no reason to raise any other taxes based on the amount of revenue we have now compared to just 10 years ago. That's how flush we are with money right now. So if a politician tells you if we cut the income tax, we'll have to raise taxes elsewhere, that's incredibly misleading because we'll have the spending cap set, and we'll have the trigger set for inflationary concerns already baked into the system. The key here is this. Government is supposed to be limited and small. That includes state government. So to the extent that there's issues affecting agencies or departments, find enough waste, fraud, and abuse to reduce the size and scope of government, right? I mean, if you just reduce it 1% or 2% across the board, we save tons of money and we still are effective at providing the services the people demand. But you have to be willing to make those cuts if necessary. You do not, however, under any circumstances, raise other taxes. Just the opposite. Let's eliminate yeah. that grocery tax as well. We have more than enough money to do it right now. You just answered my next question. Is, is, is it in the cards to maybe eliminate the grocery sales tax? Because, you know, man, uh, other states have done that. And even as a very conservative Republican, uh, I think that's the right thing to do, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the idea of people paying taxes for necessities, right? Yeah. We have to have food and water, things of that nature. And I, I would prefer – there's an old quote by Milton Friedman. He said he would be a for a tax uh, cut anytime, whenever possible, right? Mm-hmm. It's like taxation. And I know some of it, some of it uh, is required, but, man, politicians have abused us for far too long. So we can find ways to cut these taxes. Yeah. Speaking of abuse, and you, you've kind of touched on it as, as we've talked here, uh, is the spending abuse. I, I was very disappointed uh, both last year and this year as I watched the legislature add these bills at the last minute. And I think this year it was like $180 million for something. I don't even remember what the subject was. Uh, but the discussion was about we've, we've got this extra money. Uh, uh, Let's go spend it instead of we have this extra money. And as you and as you said, uh, you know, the taxpayers are it's their money. 
uh, and it's not, it's incumbent on folks that are responsible for spending taxpayers' dollars to to uh, to be judicious with them uh, and uh, get it back to them and put it in their pockets uh, whenever you can. But it doesn't seem to be happening uh, in this legislature. It seems to be going the opposite direction. Yeah. You're exactly right. It's a, it's, a, it's a power struggle because politicians always want more power. And that's one of the reasons the, the federal government particularly was set up in a way to, to insulate that quest, that ambition for power that we're seeing. He, look, the, the government has no money. People need to understand that. There is no money tree in government. Whatever we spend, we steal from hardworking, productive citizens and landowners. And that's, that's a system that's been created for us, and I get that, but it doesn't make it completely right, especially when those powers are abused. And we see abuse daily with the way politicians spend this money on pet projects and all this junk they spend this money on. The only way to make sure politicians are balanced and controlled is not to give them more money. You have to draw the line in the sand, give them a straight budget, and say, guys, this is it. And if you do that, they'll spend accordingly and more appropriately. But if you just keep throwing money at them and creating streams of income, they'll abuse it. They'll abuse it every single time. And look, some people trust politicians. Man, I am not one of those people. I've been in this business way too long. I don't trust them one bit. <laughs> you, you and me both, my friend. Uh, you know, when I was running for office, people would ask me all the time, how do you trust me? And I would look them in the eye and say, if you are, if you elect me, don't trust me. Hold don't. me accountable. <laughs> that's, that's, ex that's exactly right. Because even good people, right? Even good people yeah. can fall victim to that power. So look, man, yeah. don't don't trust any politician for goodness sake. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of trust, though, uh, uh, <laughs> one of the reasons, one of the things I love about Mississippi is we have some really good election integrity laws. Uh, and you were integral in getting uh, a state referendum passed uh, to tighten up our election integrity and not allow universal mail-in balloting and all these crazy things that have affected other states. Uh, but what's left to be done in that area? I know there are some things because I hear from people on the ground uh, about concerns. But, uh, but from your perspective, having worked this issue very hard over the last few years, uh, what is, uh, what is left to be done there? Well, we need to make sure the rolls are purged accurately because right now in some counties, we have more registered voters than we do actual citizens. And that's a real problem. <laughs> um, number two, I, I think it's time that we make people register for party affiliation. And, and here's why I say that. Some people say, well, that's just unworkable. Do you really want Democrats selecting the Republican nominees in these races? Because of these red states, that's exactly what's going to be happening. Democrats are going to spill over into Republican primaries, and they're going to select our nominees. We need a party registration system, and for no other reason than to protect the freedom of association that these parties are supposed to enjoy, and, and the individuals are supposed to enjoy. Uh, but also, here's the other thing. We're also playing defense, right? Because Delbert Hoseman is for early voting. And early voting always leads to mischief. I'm not a fan of early voting. And that includes sometimes even this very, if there's an open-ended absentee ballot process by which people can vote for any reason, that's a problem because it's prone to abuse. Yeah. I have a strange, old-fashioned view about voting. I really do. If you care enough about the issues, and you should care enough about the issues, then get your tail up and go, go and stand in line and do your civic duty and vote on the day of the election. That just seems to be the most reasonable approach to this. 
I agree with you. You know, I, I've spent 30 plus years in the military, so I voted absentee many, many times. Uh, uh, but right. that is a reason for voting for needing to vote absentee. That, uh, this this non-reason right. yep. absentee voting and early voting uh, is really something that I, I'm opposed to. Also, I mean, even in the federal constitution, it names yeah. the day. <laughs> Uh, it says day, yeah. not yeah. voting week or voting months yeah. uh, uh, or any of those kind of things. So I, I'd fully agree with you there. Well, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you're if you're out of state serving, if you're out of state, uh, maybe working fine, mm -hmm. but you can't catch one big catch all in the absentee ballot process and just let everybody early vote because that's where this mischief, mischief almost always comes from. So I agree completely with you. Yeah, and that mischief is very hard to catch and very hard to prove when it is caught. Uh, and, and that's the reason why yeah. I, I I have the position I have on it, and I'm sure is why you do too. I, I'm glad to hear that. Well, I got one or two more questions, Chris, and one of them is yeah. about emergency powers for the governor. Uh, you know, this COVID-19 uh, issue with the lockdowns and mask requirements, uh, in my view, uh, was really a result of having weak emergency powers laws at the state level on the governors. Uh, and, uh, and I haven't seen any effort to change the emergency powers laws in Mississippi. Now, I may be wrong. I, I've, I've only been a citizen here for a couple of years now. But, uh, uh, but uh, uh, what have you been looking at in that regard? Because quite frankly, a governor or a public health official should not be able to say, well, that business is non-essential and that business is essential uh, or uh, or you have to have this, this vaccine to do such and such and those kinds of things. Uh, and the emergency powers laws in the states are, I think, the root cause of most of that issue. And they yeah. need to be tightened up. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a Jeffersonian at heart. So he would have said. Never trust an energetic uh, executive. Uh, never trust an ambitious executive, because that's usually where tyranny is. If you give one person too much power, you can guarantee mm -hmm. yourself that power is going to be abused almost every single time. And the Democrats especially, they use every single crisis, whether it's real or imagined, to try to expand the size and scope of government and take away our individual liberties. The way we make sure that can't happen is never to empower one office that much. And so you're right. To the extent that we've empowered that governor to make these public health calls, it's time to disempower any executive that has that kind of power. So uh, yeah, look, I, I trust the people to make these calls. It goes back to our earlier conversation. I'm not a, a big fan of politicians, especially those using emergency powers. His, history tells me that every time a politician has used emergency powers, it's almost always in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, I think we're uh, we're going to see even more abuse of those kinds of uh, declarations of emergencies to free up uh, purses and most importantly and worse uh, to restrict liberty uh, here in the country. And yep. the place to fix that really is at the state level and then push on our federal legislators to make sure that those laws at the federal level uh, don't impact our liberties like uh, what is possible today, really. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So tell us about your campaign. Uh, as we were talking before the show, Mississippi is a long state north to south. Uh, I've been making that drive uh, for most of my life because my dad was stationed here. 
uh, in the Air Force. And uh, now I live on the Gulf Coast and drive up to my mother's home in, in uh, West Tennessee often. So I drive the entire length. So tell us about your campaign uh, and how it's going and what, what do you need for uh, citizens that are supporting you uh, to get out there and do to volunteer and those kind of things, Chris? Yes, sir. We are having a tremendous success right now with the campaign, uh, particularly among the grassroots. I mean, the, the, the difference between the candidates could not be more clear. Uh, Delbert Hoseman is a, a Democrat. Uh, he's not even a rhino. He's, he's, a, he's a Democrat. And I've been a conservative uh, my entire life. I cut my teeth uh, falling in love with Ronald Reagan, for goodness sakes. And that was when I was like 12 or 13 years old. So it's been a long time coming. Now, as far as the race, we, we're traveling all over the state. We're speaking. We're having great success with uh, uh, volunteer turnout, uh, great success with people my request, right? So if you're listening and you want to see conservatives prevail in Mississippi, if you want to see states begin to push back against the federal government, if you want to see us erase the woke culture, if you want to see more uh, fiscal freedom for yourself as opposed to government, it's really easy. Tell your friends. Make calls. Help us on social media. I've got a big social media page. It's called Senator Chris McDaniel. Go see it, Senator Chris McDaniel on Facebook, and help me spread the news that way. One more thing, and this is perhaps even more important. If we can't show the state Delbert Hoseman's record, you know how people are. They're going to walk in and vote for the name they know, right? Yeah. So we, we need help, obviously, financially. And this is the hard ask for me because sometimes people – I know times are tough out there, but if you want to turn this thing around, we can do it. We can start it right here. I need your financial help, and you can get it to me two ways, right? There's an old website called SenatorMcDaniel.com. It's just SenatorMcDaniel.com or Chris McDaniel for LG, and on there you can see a click to donate. But any amount of financial assistance, even $10, we will use to defeat Delbert Hoseman and, and make sure Mississippi remains a solid conservative state. Yeah, we cannot have a Democrat posing as a Republican uh, as lieutenant governor. I mean, he appoints committee chairs in the Democrat Party, doesn't he? Oh, goodness. Listen to this, guys. We only have 16 Democrats in the state Senate. We outnumber on 36 to 16, so keep that in mind. He appointed 13 of the 16 Democrats to chairmanships. Let that sink in. Democrats mm. hold a greater percentage of chairmanships by a party than Republicans do. In other words, 13 of the 16 hold chairmanships, including public health, which is one of our most powerful ladies in the entire state. So that's a problem. It goes back to the issue, man. Don't reach across to those people. Don't compromise with them. It's time to draw our line in the sand and hold the line here in Mississippi. Yes, he, he has a lot of good buddies over there, and uh, he doesn't mind telling you so. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you very much. Uh, I know your time's very limited, uh, and I appreciate you coming on. We'll get this out. I'll share it with your team so they have links to it uh, uh, after the live broadcast uh, this coming Sunday uh, is when that'll happen. Uh, and so all next week, we'll be pushing it out and everything. And I uh, just want to let you know, we're, we're praying for you. My wife and I are praying for you. Uh, and uh, we want you to be successful because you are the marker for Mississippi to move into the future as a state that protects Americans and and really fights for Americans. And that's what we need today. We, we need politicians of all parties to fight for Americans and fight for liberty and fight for the values of the country. Uh, uh, just so happens the Republicans are the ones that actually say they'll do it. 
these days. Uh, but uh, we certainly appreciate you. We're praying for you, uh, and uh, we'll uh, get the word out. Well, thank you, sir. I'm always uh, a big fan of yours. Have been for an awfully long time. So you just keep fighting. And one of these days, a few years from now, we're going to sit on the front porch somewhere, and we'll, we'll remember these days where Americans uh, stood up one more time uh, to, uh, to reassert their individual value and the pushback against government. And I'm looking forward to it. We sure will. Uh, God bless you. Safe travels on the road out there, and I'll see you around the campaign trail. Yes, sir. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel is running for lieutenant governor of the state of Mississippi. He's challenging the Republican Party incumbent, Delbert Hoseman, who's really a Democrat. Think about those numbers of chairmanships to committees for Democrats he's given away and the fact that he stopped the state income tax twice now, that repealing the state income tax, and quite frankly, tried to get a Mississippi state superintendent that believed in critical race theory approved, uh, and uh, that was defeated in large part by the efforts of State Senator Chris McDaniel, who's going to make a fantastic lieutenant governor and bring Mississippi uh, to the forefront of defending Americans, defending our liberty and making sure that the United States of America regains its position as the beacon of liberty in the shining city on the hill. Until next week, I'm Rob Maness.